Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Today's sermon is over Malachi chapter 3, things that never change. So as we're doing that, we're in the book of Malachi, if you would turn with me over there. Malachi chapter 3, making our way through the Old Testament, almost done. And we're going to be reading the first six verses here in Malachi. And uh, starting off from there, Malachi chapter 3 says, Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before you. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant whom you delight. Uh, behold, he is coming, says the Lord, but who can endure the day of his coming? This is in response to a question they were asked. Or I should say God was asked in the previous chapter. Take a look with me. It's going to be on the screen, Malachi 2.17. They're basically accusing God of not showing up. Where are you, God? You weary the Lord with your words, yet you say, in what way have we wearied you? And that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. In other words, God doesn't seem to care. People do evil, they get away with it. Where is the God, as they say there at the very end? The God of justice. Well, God says, as a matter of fact, I appreciate you asking. Here he comes. Now, look at verse, again, verse 1 and 2. But when he comes, can you endure the day of his coming? You see, before we ask for justice, and, and we should ask, Let's make sure we're on the right side of justice. See, when you're asking for justice, make sure that you're not in a place where you're condemned. And that's, that's what he's saying. Just a word of warning. Like I say, we're going to talk about fire in just a minute. Make sure when you're asking for the fire of God that you're not combustible. Okay? Uh, just a strong suggestion as God's going to make it here for us very clear. And I will, he will say, who can, who can endure, who can stand when he appears for? He's going to be like a refiner's fire, right? Like a fuller soap. Make sure you're not combustible. They're all wanting the justice of God. They want God to come down and give justice. Make sure you're not on the wrong side of justice. He will sit as a smelter and a purifier of silver and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings and righteousness and then the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing the Lord as in the days of old as in former years. Return them to what they were supposed to be doing. Then I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be swift. Here's some combustible things. Swift to witness against the sorcerers and the adulterers and against those who swear falsely and against those who oppress wage earners in their wages, and a widow and an orphan and those who turn aside the alien and do not fear me, says the Lord, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Very powerful verse. I don't, why are we still here? Because God does not change. If he changed, if he was capricious at all, if he had one bad day, we're all toast. Everyone who offends him, and we've all done it. Everyone who breaks his rules, we've all done it. He's not capricious. He doesn't change. And you better be glad that he does not. I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Such a powerful verse. So many things that, that, that never change that we wish they would, like politicians who promise the moon and then, you know, they give us a picture of the moon. Maybe that's all we get out of them. Uh, or, or people who complain the loudest, it seems, are the least likely to volunteer to help with anything. They just, you know, they just want to shout about stuff. Or teenagers, hello, who think they know everything. And then they start having kids of their own and then they know, oh, you know, mom and dad were so right. Uh, this doesn't seem to ever change. I uh, wished it would. Paychecks that, that increase about the same amount as your taxes do. Uh, just, you know. Things we wish would change. 
There's other things I'm glad don't change. As the sun comes up every day, that I live in a place like this, uh, that I have a wonderful church like, like we have here at Island Baptist Church with great fellowship and great people. Uh, such, such a great blessing. But there's one that, thing that I'm, I'm even more glad that does not change, as it says here in verse 6, that the Lord doesn't change, that he doesn't have a bad day, that he doesn't get it wrong ever, that he's always got it right, that he always has my best interest in heart, that he always loves me. There's so many things we could put under that, underneath that heading. The unchangeableness of God, it would give you a theological uh, term here so that you can win a trivial pursuit, it refers to his immutability. So you know what I learned this Sunday, that God's immutable. Okay, tell us what that means. We're gonna, that's what we're going to hear. God doesn't change, that's what it means. He's Im immutable. Malachi 3 gives us three areas in particular that God does not change with regards to his relationship with us. And we're going to be pursuing these in the next three Sundays together. First of all, his passion for purity this morning we're going to be looking at. Next Sunday we're going to be looking at his, his blessings for, for those who give. These are things that don't change. They were true in the days of Malachi. They were true before ever Malachi ever existed. They are true all the way up till today. They will continue to be true. They don't change. His passion for purity, his blessings on those who give, his distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Sometimes we think, like I said, the complainer up there says, where is the God who, of justice to separate, uh, to take care of the, the, the people who do evil? Where is he? Well, he's out there. He's not changed. He's still doing the same thing he's always done, and he will do it with finality and with clarity and uh, with absolute purity, to be sure. But, but this Sunday, we're going to be spending our entire time just talking about looking at God's passion for purity here in the first three verses of Malachi. It says he's like a refiner. He sits like a refiner and like a fuller's soap. Fuller, it, it refers to a type of particular soap called lye. I mean, any of you are familiar with lye soap, and if you tell me you are, you're telling me your age, maybe, or, or that you've cooked some up yourself. Lye soap is basically... It, it basically eats the skin off of your body. To say you're clean after you've used lye soap, soap is just, it's really understating it. It cleans. Likewise, fire, if you're made out of metal or something's made out of metal, it refines it. It, it makes it better. And so there's nothing to fear from fire, unless you're combustible, or from soap, uh, unless you're made totally out of dirt. Uh, so he mentions here, by the way, Malachi does, two messengers. And... Uh, First of all, if you look at verse, verse, uh, verse 1, he speaks of, Behold, he says, I am sending, sending you my messenger. He will clear the way before me. This is in reference to John the Baptist. Take a look on the screen. Here's New Testament fulfillment of that. And it was written in Isaiah. Isaiah says the same thing Malachi does about, about John the Baptist. It was written in Isaiah, the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The same thing Malachi says. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the, his path for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. And even though uh, it may be a little bit difficult for you to understand, I want you to, under, I want you to see this, or I want you to understand it this way. Malachi and John the Baptist are back to back, literally. Malachi was the last prophet of the Old Testament. John the Baptist is the first in the New Testament. There is 400 years between these guys. But it's basically, God did not speak again after Malachi until John the Baptist. And so Malachi predicts John the Baptist, the next prophet, and sure enough, John the Baptist shows up as his predecessor, this, this messenger to go ahead of the Lord. So messenger number one is John the Baptist. Messenger number two is none other than Jesus. He says, and then the Lord whom you seek will suddenly appear, the messenger of the covenant. So there's the, there's the second messenger, if you will. And John the Baptist predicts, actually, of this second messenger... Namely, Jesus, 
The same thing that Malachi did. So we got Malachi predicting what John the Baptist was going to do, and then John the Baptist saying that Malachi was right about the stuff he predicted about Jesus. Does that make sense? Watch. John the Baptist. I baptize you, he says, with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, speaking of Jesus, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and I wish he wouldn't have included that word, and fire. I got a problem with the word and. I'm not changing it because it's in the Bible. It's both in the English and the Greek, but I'm just saying I got a problem because I wish it was or, don't you? Holy Spirit or fire, right? So I'm all about the Holy Spirit. Like I said, I love the Holy Spirit. I'm excited the Holy Spirit control my life. But I wish that would mean that I would have no longer the fire stuff. So I, I accept Jesus. I receive his Holy Spirit, right? And then there's no more fire. Well, that's not what it says. Neither in the English nor the Greek. We cannot change it. And so we have inspired text. John, Matthew writes it. God inspires him to write it. And he's only quoting what John the Baptist, who was a prophet of God, also inspired by God to say. So we have double inspiration happening here. And so you, you can't wiggle the words. It's Holy Spirit and fire. I say that to say God is coming to us, every one of us. I don't care who you are and where you stand with Christ today, as fire. It's coming. It's going to be like fire in your life. Already it is. Already it is. And it's going to make sense, or I hope it does before we're done this morning. Already, he's like fire in your life. Hopefully, you're on the right side of justice, on the right side of Christ, and so it's not a consuming fire. It is a re refining fire. And that's super good news, by the way. A refining fire in, in launderer's soap is not destructive, like I said, unless you're not made out of metal or you're completely dirt. Um, it's not a word of warning as much as it's a message of hope. Jesus is going to make you better. That's a hopeful story, isn't it? That's the message of the gospel. God is rescuing you. He's having grace on you. He's pulling you out from what you are and turning you into something that you can't be by yourself. He's working that work in your life. And so it's a great story. There is a, a great hope in knowing that he's going, not going to leave us the way that we are, but understand he's coming, and it's going to be like a fire. It, it is what he is. It is the way that his presence is going to be to every living soul as a fire, either as a consuming fire that destroys those things that are combustible. And by the way, you can be on that side of the, you can be on the side of consumption, if you will. Uh, chapter 3, look at chapter 4 of Malachi, turn over. Verse 1. We've already seen some combustible things back there in verse 5 of chapter 3. Here's something else that just says is combustible, if you will. Watch, verse 4. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace. What day is that? It's the day they've been looking for. Where's the Lord of justice? Well, he's going to show up, but you might not like it. You're on the wrong side of the fire, if you will, the wrong side of justice, if you will. He is burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff. That's just this dry straw. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so it will leave neither root nor branch. Total destruction. You don't want to be on that side of the fire. You don't want to be, so God is coming into your life as fire, and it's either going to be a consuming fire, or it's going to be refining fire, but it's going to be fire nonetheless. Why? Because, like I said, John the Baptist didn't stutter, and Matthew didn't either. Holy Spirit and fire. This is how he's coming. 
This is how it's going to happen to us. And so either on the one hand, you're going to be consumed because he destroys, the, destroys those who reject him. And that's, that's a decision, by the way. How, how the fire treats you is up to you. God gives you a choice. So either A, I can be completely consumed and be totally separated from, from the presence of God for the rest of my life in that consumption. That's an option. Or I can be not consumed and be refined into all that God wants me to be and all the blessings and the presence of him for all eternity. That's my options. So, so listen, so, so we trust him and we believe in him to rescue us from that consuming side of the fire. That's what we trust him. Listen, Jesus was consumed on the cross for you. He was consumed in the wrath of God. He was, he was burned up. He was destroyed, separated from the Father for you, for your sins. He was separated. God took, his, took your sins and my sins and placed them on Christ. That's why Jesus could say, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because he, he, he became sin for us. He was consumed for us. So God put all of that upon Jesus so that he could give you instead his forgiveness and grace. God has done that for us. So, so, but, but you miss, listen, you must, you must have had a personal experience with the Savior. Just because he died for you doesn't mean anything for you particularly. You, you must have received what he's done. So, so I give you a gift and I call you and I say it's up here in my office, but you never come to get it. Is it actually yours? See, God bought you a gift called eternal life through his son. His son was consumed for you and resurrected to buy you everlasting life, but you have to accept it. If you have never accepted it, listen, it's as good as not yours. Amen. It says nothing about God. God's a good God. He provided it for you. His forgiveness is there. But you haven't personally received it. That's a huge, may I say, eternal problem. You have to have an encounter with the Savior in which you accept what he did for you personally. A personal encounter in which you trust Christ and you trust what he did for you on the cross. That has to happen. It's not enough to know that Jesus saves. Oh, well, I'm a Baptist. So? I'm a Presbyterian. I'm a Lutheran. I'm a this. I'm a... Where do you see any of that in the Scriptures? The dividing line is either you believe or not believe in Christ. That's the division. That's the division. Culture doesn't matter. Church culture doesn't matter. None of that matters. You have to have a personal encounter with the Savior in which he transfers you out of the consuming fire of God. Let me tell you something, though. Out of that fire, <laughs> into another fire. But not the same. Not a consuming fire, a refining fire but a fire nonetheless. Praise God for this escape that he's provided for us from the consuming fire, but still there's a refining fire for every child of God. And really, really got to get this message through. God refines us, it says here, as silver does. There were several ladies in a Bible study once who were reading this passage in Malachi and discussing what does that exactly mean, and none of them had ever seen silver refined. And one of the ladies says, listen, I know a, a man who, who works with silver, and I'm going to go contact him this week, and I'll go ask him some questions, and I'll report back to the group next, next time we meet together. And so everybody was like, good, that's a great idea. So she goes, and she meets with this guy, and she asks him a few questions, and he basically just says, just watch what I do. So he took this, this cup, this, this crucible, this fired clay, and he put it in different pieces of silver, broken jewelry, all kinds of stuff. And he stuck it in a kiln, K-I-L-N, kiln. It's not like you forgot a letter in there, doesn't it? But that's the way it's spelled. Kiln. Sticks it in there super hot 
melts it down till it glows, and every once in a while he pulled it out, she said, and she would, he would scrape something ugly off the top, put it back in. More stuff would rise to the top. Sometimes smoke would rise and just, you know, something was evaporating, something was burning, and he would continue to scrape and, and watch it. He was constantly, and all, the whole time, as it says here, he was sitting. He couldn't stand. He had to be real careful because the contents are super hot. So he was sitting and passing this thing in and out of the flames, uh, scraping it, putting it back in, scraping it, put it back in. And, and finally, he got finished. He says, there, it's done. It's been refined. She says, how do you know it's refined? He says, because I can see my reflection in it. I can see my reflection in it. What is God doing in our lives? He's refining you until he sees his reflection in you. He, he's changing you because... because because in your spiritual self, you don't look good enough. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. You're dirty. He's changing you. You know, I mean, a saved sinner is still a sinner. He's still got impurities and, and, and stuff that's got to come out of his life, and he's converting us, and he's, he's, he's changing us. So number one, God has a plan for your life in that you come to Jesus and believe in him and escape the consuming fire. Number two, number two, after coming to Jesus, that your lives be cleansed and purified and be made Christ-like. Watch, 2 Corinthians 3. And we all who with unveiled faces, coming to Christ, we already have, contemplate the Lord's glory or being transformed. That's currently happening to you. I don't know what God's doing in my life. I can tell you. He's transforming you. I don't know what God's up to. I can tell you. He's transforming you. He's moving you from a place where you ought not be to a place where you ought to be. He's moving you to a better version of yourself, if you will, that he sees, he knows, he understands, and he knows what it takes to get you there. And, and yeah, it gets hot. Being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And of course, the classic in Romans 8, 29, for those who God foreknew, when did he foreknow you? There's like a date, right? So sometime in eternity past, on eternity, uh, I don't know, the second day of eternity, 2000 and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> There's no dates in eternity, guys. If he foreknew you, it's forever. So he's been planning this a long time. This is not like a recent development for him. For those he foreknew, he also predestined, I would assume, at the same time. So this has been a long haul. I don't know if you invest in anything, but this is a, this is a long investment. He's not short, on, he's not short in anything here. He, he's in it for long. For all eternity, he's been investing in a plan to make you into the image, as it says there, conform to the image of his son. He's not going to back out on this plan. It's, it's not like a second thought for him. It's always been the program. So I can tell you what God's doing in your life. He's conforming you into the image of his son. It's just what he's doing. This gives us tremendous hope and assurance because, because, because he's working in our lives, right? But understand, it is fire that gets you there. It, it takes fire. It, it, it does. And, and fire, even though it is fire that refines us, fire still burns. I mean, purging things out of your life that don't need to be there is not exactly the funnest thing, would you say? Sort of like, um, we're going to have exploratory surgery. Uh, I could fix all of you, by the way. I mean, everybody's good, right? I know you're all tremendously healthy, but we're going to have a sign-up, and we're going to have a doctor meet over here in the fellowship hall, and we're going to cut everybody, oh, we're going to put a zipper all the way down. And we're just going to move through all of your goodies in there, and if we don't see anything right and stuff you don't need, we're going to take it out. 
Anything that doesn't look right, we're going to biopsy. Then we're going to sew you back. We're going to put a zipper in there because in case we have to go back in there. And uh, it's preventative maintenance. Don't you do this with your car? Don't you have certain times in which you take it in? It's running fine. I don't understand what the problem is, but you do have to change the oil even though it's running. That's the way it stays running fine. You got to change the air filter in the thing. You got to change the part, spark plugs in the thing. You have to have regular maintenance done on the on the transmission and other things. So that if you don't, you're going to have some kind of catastrophic failure. And we put a car, we take a car, we disassemble it, don't we? So why don't we do that with our bodies? Why don't we wait till there's a diagnosis before we take them apart? Right? It doesn't make sense. But nonetheless, if I had a sign-up sheet back there, I guarantee you I wouldn't have a, one crazy person in here probably sign up on it. Yeah, sure, cut me open. No, nobody, would, nobody does that. Why? Because nobody volunteers for exploratory surgery, not any more than anybody volunteers for God to purge stuff out of your life. He's doing surgery. And so, so when the surgeon does come to us with a diagnosis and says, listen, this is what you've got to do, then what do we do? For the most part, we knuckle under and say, okay, that's what you say. You're the surgeon. Likewise, when God comes to you with these issues in your life, he says, listen, this is stuff that we got to do. This is, this is a have to. I didn't just come up with this the other day. This is a plan and a program. I've been thinking about this forever, literally. And so, so, so we're going to move ahead with this because it's the best thing for you. And what should we be saying? We should be saying, okay, that's what you say. And we endure. He, he's, so, so let me ask you this. I know he's refining you because I know he is. So how are you doing with that? How, how are you handling it? Are you doing good? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm with the program. I'm, I'm going well with it. I'm, I'm, I'm letting God, and I, I acknowledge his work in my life, and I trust him because I, I know that he doesn't change. And I, I know that I'm not going to be consumed. Instead, God's going to consume the bad parts of me and, and, and turn me into a better version. Is that how it is? I hope so. That'd be great. Or, or is it something different? My, my wife had an experience with our kids I want to relate to you because it, I think it relates in some ways to how we react when God it wants to do a work in our lives and wants to remove things and do the things that are best for us and how we react to him. And uh, our kids were somewhere, I think the oldest was around 12 years old, which means they were, they're all two-year steps. So 12, 10, 8 years old. And one of them, and I don't remember which one, maybe the middle one, had been exposed possibly to meningitis along with several other kids. And so in order to make, and then all of our kids were together, so if we're going to draw blood on one, we're going to draw blood on all of them. So she takes them over here to Port Isabel Health Clinic to have their blood drawn. No big deal. I mean, they're just going to, you know, they're going to stick a needle in your arm, they're going to get a little vial of blood, and they're going to test it. And, and uh, almost every adult in this room, and a lot of kids have all had that done, and it's just something that you have to do. And and it's just part of the process, and it's, it enables doctors to see what's going on with you, better make prescriptions, better regulate your blood, and, and, and what, what, what you need uh, for, for yourself physically. Well, our kids had never had this done before. So our 12-year-old goes first because he's the boy, and he's got to be the man, and he's the oldest and whatever. I can't remember how the decision, probably along those lines. He goes in there, and they draw this vial of blood. Well, he saw how much blood that was. In his mind, he was thinking, that's like half my blood. And so my wife literally has to carry him out of there. He thinks he's dying. Well, what he does is he splashes that whole fear and story upon the next child, and things go completely nuclear. Again, I wasn't there. She went in thinking it was going to be fine and winds up we having to pin down the next two kids with three or four attendants just to get the blood out of there. We have to do it, though. I mean, the possibility of meningitis, this is not something we can wait for a week, even a few days on. We need to know, you see. 
for their, for their betterment. And so screaming, hollering, crying, passing out, throwing up, I mean, all this happened. They went, like I said, it went completely nuclear. Is, is that how it's going with you as God does what's best for you? As God is taking you through the procedures that you have to have to be healthy, to, to, to get you down the road to, towards things that are right and good for you, the Lord tries to do his best for you, uh, the, the very best for you. Is, is that how you're handling? Because, man, like I said, you can go happy or you can go sad, but you're going. There's, listen, so it's better if we're participants, isn't it? It's better if we're willing, okay, it's not going to be fun. I know that. It's going to hurt. I know that. But it's best for me. Now as an adult, I can say that. And I don't go nuclear, you know, like my kids. It, it, gain in an area of purity is the goal, is it not? That's what it says in the Scriptures. Watch, Titus. Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself. That's the goal. A people who are his very own, eager to do what is good. Shouldn't be we, we willing participants in what? Look at all he's done for us. He knows what he's doing. 2 Corinthians. Therefore, since these promises, since, since, since God has allowed his son to be consumed for me, you see, pay for my sins. Rescue me from, from, from an inevitability of a fire hotter than un, unbelievably hot. Since he's rescued me, you see, then, then shouldn't I be a willing participant as he's purifying me into the image of his son? It only makes sense. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves. Be willing participant in it. Yeah, God, amen. That's right. I need to get better. I need your, your cleansing. I need your purification in my life. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Powerful verse. It's impossible, listen, to become pure painlessly. Not possible. It's not possible. Nobody, nobody enjoys walking through a fiery desert, right? But, but listen, walking through a lush garden does little to refine us. Does very little. Doesn't change us for the good. The path to purity passes through fiery deserts. Mark it carefully. How many of you want to be better? You want to be better? You want to be pure. You want to please God. So, so, so the better me, the better you is over there. The purer you, the purer me is over there. The, the, the person that pleases God more is over there. And, and we're over here. Between us and that we could be, that God wants us to be, there is fire. There just is. There's no exceptions to it. And fire burns. No exceptions. No exceptions. Watch, watch Peter as he says here, in uh, second, this actually should be First Peter 1, 6 through 7. Though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, and there are all kinds of things. There's not one prescription that meets all of us. God knows. We're all going through a lot of stuff here. Understand, there's, there can be a ton of good that comes out of it if you'll let it. Though, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold. So it's worth more than your bank account. It's worth more than your happiness. Hello? 
your faith is. You'll know that someday. You may not believe it now, but you'll know it. It's worth more than your house and more than your car, more than your plans, more than your career, more than your family, more than everything. Uh, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though, the, even though gold is, is valuable, it still perishes, right? Actual gold refined by fire, but you being refined may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. How much more valuable is that? Be a willing participant in that. James tells us your attitude. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces this, this perfection, this, this refinement that God is working in your life. Perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what we want? So does God. Let him work. Be a willing participant. Again, Hebrews 12, about our, our, uh, the discipline God brings into our lives. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not, he's quoting Old Testament Proverbs, do not let, make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Don't think it's no big deal. It is a big deal. Like I said, it's more important. The refinement of your faith, the refinement of your person is more important than anything else you've got. Because you're going to lose all of it anyway. But you're going to take that, that, that nature, that, that, uh, that character, that refinement, you're going to take it with you. Everything else you're leaving. Don't, don't take it lightly, he says. And don't lose heart when he rebukes you. God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. He's working toward a goal. Be in agreement with that. Say amen to that. Amen. Let him have it. Trust him in that. So, and that's the final point this morning. So, so I'm going through a tough time, and, and it's pretty hot. How do I endure it? Very simply, you trust him. You trust him. Back to, back to Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Notice what it says again. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, you, O sons of God, if you will, are not consumed. Do you trust him? Such, that's a more important question than any other question you have. So let's, here's your scenario. You're in the heat. You want it to stop. Believe me, I understand. I got the same kind of stuff going on in my life. And if I could flip a switch, if God would just simply do what I'm telling him, my life would be so much better. <laughs> right? Isn't that right for you? God would just simply sit down and hear what I've got to say. I think he could, we could come to an understanding and my life would be so much better. No, God has got you where you are for a purpose. So before you ever ask the whole, God, can you make it stop question about the fires in your life, you need to first need, need to say this towards him. And, it needs, and, and, and until, until you can say this from your heart, there's really not a need to ask him to change anything. Because really, it, nothing's changing about you until you can do this from your heart. Here's the thing you need to say from your heart to him before you ever ask him to do anything else. From your heart, you need to be able to say to him, I trust you. I trust you. So I start off with, I don't care what the answer is, I trust you. Amen. I'm asking for things to change because that's obviously why I'm coming here. But I'm starting off by saying it doesn't matter. It's the same prayer Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. Nevertheless, not as I will, right? Let this cup pass. Nothing wrong with asking for that. But nevertheless, not as I will, but as whatever's best, God, you know. I, I trust you. 
I'm going to pursue whatever direction you you have for me because I trust you that you're not going to let me be consumed. You're not going to let this even as hot as it gets, getting hotter than I can stand, but you know better. You know what I can stand. You you know what I can take. And so if I'm I'm asking this to see, but if it doesn't, then if it must continue, then I trust you and I, I will believe that you're going to make good out of it whenever your timing is. It will end. There is an end to trials. There is. Sometimes it's not until you die. Hope that wasn't a shock to you. Life isn't that long. And sometimes trials end out of the blue. People's hearts change. Circumstances change. Situations change. Incomes change. Job situations change. Relationships change. They, 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 they can change just like that. God has the power to change them. He's holding out right now. He's got a purpose in that. And again, the question is, do you trust him? Because you can't ask for anything else until you honestly say, it doesn't matter what the answer is, as long as I know what your will is. I trust you. And that's, that's the bottom line. Again, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Are you submitting to him in the heat? Are you lowering your head and your heart saying, God, I trust you. I want it to change, but ahead of that, I trust you. And then one more place. Talk about a guy who went through the fire. We need to definitely hear from Job before we're done, don't we? Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Why was that man set up at one of the longest books in the whole Bible? Why does God just string him out like he does and have this huge story because he's pulling out of him what God wants to see in all of us? Listen, this is a man who trusted me, who loved me, who understood the process. And I could put him through the things that I put him through in order to teach all of us, yes, less thans, if you will, such incredible lessons. That's Job. Yet I will trust him. And here's his conclusion, verse 20, chapter 23, verse 10. For he knows, Job says, the way that I take, and when, I, when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Why? He's refining, you see. Malachi is talking about. He's refining us. Here, here's a man who understood how it worked. He trusted him, didn't he? Do you trust him? I'm going to ask you please to bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we conclude this morning. Do you trust him? Do you trust the process? I don't know where you are in that. Some of us are just starting in trial. Some of us have been in it a long time. Some of us have just come to the end of something in our lives saying, Oh God, I, look at what you did. Hindsight is such, such a work of 2020, isn't it, on our vision? I wonder with your heads bowed and your eyes closed if if some of us couldn't look back on our lives and see some trials we've been through and now when we're sitting on the other side of it we would say, God, I I would have never picked to go through that. But sitting on this side of it, I wouldn't change a single thing. You were good. And you were doing good. And even though I got mad at you along the way and even though I thought you had left me along the way, the fact was none of that was true. You were carrying me. You were caring for me. You were refining me. I'm a better person now. And we can sit today looking forward to other trials that are coming and are already here and say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I do know this. I do know this. You're doing what's best. You're doing what's best. You're purifying for yourself a people. 
You're working as a refiner does over silver, and you will work until you see reflection. Can you say that with me today? Can you say that in your heart to him? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are faithful to us, that we can trust you, that you're working as a refiner, as a launderer, cleansing, purifying, refining. God, we want to be willing participants today. We want to just start before everything and just say, God, we trust you. We trust you. Thank you so much, God, for speaking to us, Lord. Continue to speak now as we, as we offer this invitation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptist.org.